Welcome everyone to episode 190 of the Red Zone Restricted Podcast. I'm your host David Comerford and I'm going to be recapping Liverpool's 5-2 win over Norwich in the FA Cup. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. So, a high-scoring game at Anfield, but Liverpool ultimately coming out with a dominant victory. Curtis Jones gave them the lead. In the 16th minute, Norwich actually equalised through Ben Gibson, but by the time they next scored, Liverpool were already 4-1 up. Darwin Nunez, Diogo Jota and Virgil van Dijk all scoring. Van Dijk coming off the bench to do that. Um, Saints picked out a bit of a screamer, really, for Norwich with about 20 minutes to go, but there wasn't really much hope of them getting back into the game at that point. And Ryan Gravenberch gave it a bit of gloss for Liverpool deep into stoppage time. And that puts them through to the fifth round of the cup where they'll play either Watford or Southampton who drew 1-1 yesterday I believe and are headed to St Mary's for a replay so we'll see which of those two teams Liverpool end up coming up against but either way you'd have to say there's a very good chance for Liverpool to make it through to the FA Cup quarterfinals. This was obviously the first game Liverpool had played at Anfield or of any description since the Egan made the announcement that he was going to be leaving the club at the end of the season. Remember, we did a reaction podcast after that news came out on the day, so go back and listen to that one as well um, after this, or, or even before, whatever you want to do. And you could see Klopp's reaction and, and the emotions that he was feeling. Obviously, he was quite open about the experience that he had yesterday. Um, but you could definitely see it when you know the fans were singing "You Never Walk Alone" at the start and just kind of sharing that look with his coaching staff, who must have found the day difficult as well. Really, I mean, they all announced that that they were leaving. They've all got their own relationship with with the club and made a huge contribution to its success. Um, and then there was a moment at the end of the game as well, which I uh, I saw on social media. I think because ITV cut away um, from the the coverage, but. I think Klopp basically just he gave the fans a really sort of genuine and quite a tender look um, at the end because obviously they'd been singing his name um, pretty much throughout with only a few interruptions for, for goals and things like that. Um, and then he, I think he just made like a heart gesture on his chest or, or something like that. Um, so I think it was just an insight into what the next few months are going to be like before Klopp does officially go. Um, but to treat this like any other match, we'll do it a three-word review and I've gone with fighting for everything because this is going to sound quite basic and maybe not like the level of analysis that we, we usually try and have on this podcast but I was sitting watching the game yesterday and I just thought to myself this Liverpool team are really really good and that was despite the fact that you know there was still quite a few missing pieces that the first race 11 there was quite a few young players in there but just the relentless nature of the performance you know, constantly creating chances, hounding Norwich. You know, the identity is has just fully seeped through the squad, and basically with every single game they play. And I know maybe it wasn't the most impressive against Fulham, but I still think it applies. You know, just you just get more and more confidence in what this team can do, and you see more and more reason to actually start dreaming. Because if we're getting to, you know, obviously we're still not long past the halfway point of the season, but if we're getting to kind of late February, March time in a similar position to this, then that's when I think you seriously have to think that this might be going to be a season of the history books anyway after, after what Klopp said. But 
if we're fighting on four fronts again that far into the season, then it could be one that um, lives long in the memory, independent of Klopp as well. So, yeah, just a, a really exciting time. And obviously the Klopp announcement will take some of the headlines, but we shouldn't ignore the fact that, that this club and, and this team this season are, are in such a good place at the moment. Um, James McConnell started at the base in midfield. Um, Alexis McAllister was rested as a precaution. He had a little bit of an issue in that game against Fulham. Aside from that, it was pretty much a full-strength team. No Virgil van Dijk playing uh, either. But in terms of the players who were fit and ready to start, Klopp went quite strong with it. I think their performance probably reflected that. Um, Liverpool just showed the, the golfing class. Norwich had this approach of playing out from the back, and I'm not going to sit here and, and criticise them for doing that. Um, I find it quite irritating when pundits sit there and just lament teams for doing that you know it, it's their identity and people don't really focus on the good that can come of it when when you do actually have the chance to play out but it was kind of hard to defend that tactic yesterday I suppose just given we you know the Liverpool press is like we know that maybe Norwich don't have the players technically that they need to to evade that pressure and it, it was just felt like constant high turnovers um, that Liverpool were forcing yesterday and uh, it was just a big feature of the game. I mean, right from the very start, but it carried on. And just the intensity with which they played with and taking every game so seriously and, and not having any complacency at all, I think, was one of the most pleasing aspects of it. Um, just to sort of run through the goals and, and what I liked about each one individually and, and maybe for the Norwich ones, what, what I didn't like. Um, obviously, for the first one, we see McConnell getting an assist, um, which is makes it as what was already a special occasion for him obviously takes it up a level to, to mark it in that way and um, perfect header back across goal from from Curtis Jones as well I think he scored a goal against Tottenham last season in in the 4-3 where he made kind of a similar back post run but I, I think he, he sort of volleyed that one in his time just a really uh, well executed header so I mean the quality of all the goals was was great and, and that set the tone I think um, obviously Norwich equalised soon after that. I mean, the thing that I'd sort of pinpoint is Gravenberch being a bit weak in the air. He had a bit of a funny game yesterday, Gravenberch, I think, where it was kind of 50-50, good and, and frustrating, but nice for, for him to, to get that goal towards the end. Every time I watch him at the moment, he's looking like kind of more of a project player in the sense that, as opposed to someone like Sobersly, McAllister to a degree as well. Um, even Endo's had a fairly quick adaptation in the grand scheme of things he's going to need maybe a year, 18 months before we start to see well I was going to say the best of him but he's still so young that that might not come for a few years but before we start to see a few of the creases ironed out let's say um, then Liverpool go 2-1 up, Connor Bradley um, another outstanding performance of him you know, battles to win the ball back on the right. I think that's that's the most satisfying aspect of it was that he was the one himself who actually, he basically made this goal from start to finish, wins the ball back, 1-2 with Jota, and takes Norwich by surprise with how direct he is. Drive and run forward, nice, decisive, quick pass to Nunez, who, you know, slots the ball in with complete aplomb. And I've seen a few people say recently um, on social media and, and on TV that when Nunez just kind of places the ball and uses the side of his boot rather than just lacing it, 
then that's when he has the most success. And I do think there's probably some merit to that argument. It was one of the sort of the most composed finishes I can remember seeing from him yesterday. And he, and he did have a good game. There was a moment as well where he Liverpool again forced one of those turnovers, the ball breaks to him, and he kind of whips a shot very quickly on his um on his right foot and the goal is almost behind him. You know, he that such is the way his body's contorted, but I don't know if he ended up hitting the post, but it's very, very close to uh, to going in, and it would have been it would have been a kind of goal of the round contender in this composition, I think. Um, Liverpool then established a bit of daylight in the second half. Diogo Jota, I mean, just showing that he is an absolute killer in front of goal again. Slight error by Gibson, and then if there's one person, not only at Liverpool but maybe in the Premier League at the moment, given the form that he's in, you don't want that ball to fall to. It's Diogo Jota. Um, punishes Norwich. To be fair, they then score an absolute weldy um, through Saints. Um, it's one of the, sometimes you look at a goal, and I think it's broadly true that every goal that's conceded, not just for Liverpool but for any team, you know there is an error in there somewhere. But I was watching it and I was like, can't really pinpoint too much Liverpool have done wrong there. To be honest, sometimes you just got to hold, you know, you know, tip your cap to the attacker um, who's done something special. But I, you know, I don't think anybody thought that Norwich was seriously going to be mounting a comeback from there. It was more just kind of a nice moment for them and their fans, um, and then Liverpool make make it five, which is the kind of um, scoreline it should have been really. Bradley directing the the pass from from Diaz back across goal, and uh, grabbing Birch there to head it in. Great technique as well from from Bradley to get over that ball, um, and put it on a plate really for grabbing Birch. Just looking at the final match stats, I mean, 73% of the ball from Liverpool. So much of that is Norwich just not being able to, to build up at all. Liverpool didn't allow them to do that. 29 shots, 10 on targets and 7 big chances. I mean, maybe that defensive lapse aside for the Gibson goal, it was pretty much a perfect performance from Liverpool and the team they had out yesterday. Sometimes you see, I mean, even look at Man United at Newport. Granted, it was away from home, but against poor opposition sometimes, it can be awkward in, in these kind of matches. But it just wasn't for Liverpool. They made sure it was um, played very much on their terms. So, if we just think about some of the standout performances, then I, I want to just focus really on on three of the youngsters. There were I think five academy graduates who featured for Liverpool. Um, two of those were Trent and Jones. We've obviously waxed lyrical about it on on here numerous times. But as for the other ones, I mean, James McConnell. Obviously, it's, I've mentioned the assist, but. That wasn't the only thing. I mean, on the defensive side, there was a couple of crunching slide tackles, which are always enjoyable. Um, and some in- nice incisive passes forward too. There's one, I think, where he kind of... I, I don't want to say it was Thiago-esque, but he kind of disguised um, his intention, looked like he kind of opened his body up to pass sideways and then sort of quickly contorts and plays the ball you know, fizzes it through the lines to Nunez and I really love it when midfielders can do that. And then there's um I think there was another sequence at the end where he kind of um slipped one in, into the penalty area as well. And it's just nice to have another midfielder based on on that performance who when the time is right will look to kind of take that risk um and play the ball forward rather than just maybe being overly safe in possession. Klopp was saying at the end that he's he's naturally more of a number eight, but I, I do think that he looked like albeit you know not against the Premier League side and it is only one game he looked like someone who does sort of have the tools to to sit in that number six position just what in terms of that combination of that grit off the ball 
but also being able to pick out the quality passes. Did get injured at the end, which obviously mars it a bit, but hopefully that's not one that um, rules him out for very long. Connor Bradley, I think we spoke about him every single time he's played recently. Um, he won the official player of the match award here. I've already spoken about the, you know, the quality of play from him um, for the two goals he was involved in. So I think I just want to briefly reflect on just this time he's had in the team. You know, Trent Alexander-Arnold um, came back off the bench here. So the odds are, obviously, that Trent will will start um, against Chelsea and, and against Arsenal in the next couple of games. But we'll be interested to see where Bradley gets his minutes for the remainder of the season. I can see him you know, coming on from the bench the odd time. Um, and obviously there's another cup game as well, which you earmark for him against the championship side. Um, should definitely start that one. But to be honest, and I think the same is true with Kwanzaa to a degree, he's shown in, in recent weeks that if you do want to throw him into a more significant game, be it one of the Europa League knockout games, um, a Premier League match here and there, if if you need to give Trent a rest or you want to use Trent as a full-time midfielder, then I'm not sure there's been, there's been much in the past few weeks to suggest that he's not ready for that. He had a bit of a tricky moment, obviously, against Fulham when... Um, Harry Wilson went past him, but you know, let's be honest. I mean, that could happen to to Trent against a um, a winger who's kind of got that one v one threat. That would happen maybe um, once in a game when when he was there as well. And I think in terms of his his net contribution to Liverpool um, and his level of maturity, I'd I'd have that level of faith in him now. And I just think he only had a few weeks between Trent getting injured against Arsenal. And, and coming back and there was a winter break in there as well but it feels like he's made so much progress in terms of his own standing in the squad which um, is just the absolute perfect scenario for him really and like I said I'm just really intrigued to see where he fits in this season and I was speaking to somebody yesterday um, who doesn't support Liverpool and they said the most frustrating thing about watching the game uh, against Norwich was Obviously thinking about Klopp leaving and maybe an era end and it's just he was like, you know, the young players are really good as well. Um and I think Bradley is, is probably the, the leading one at the moment. But um I do like to give Kwanzaa his praise every time he plays as well because I do think that we and I say this every time, we just need to re- remember that this was a player who wasn't really expected to feature in that meaningful away this season. Um and I was I was sat there to myself thinking yesterday, this is probably the kind of match he expected to be featuring in whether he was at Liverpool or not I mean I think the odds are he would have gone on loan to the championship natural step up from a league one loan um, so he probably expected to be facing that level of team um, but instead the reality is that if Liverpool are to you know I mentioned Liverpool fighting for everything fighting on, on all those fronts earlier in the podcast if Liverpool are going to do that then Kwanzaa is going to play a key role in in the viability of that objective, which again is something that is, you know, quite mad to say when you think that he wasn't really on our radar at the start of the season, but he's just because he's just earned the faith of Klopp because obviously Matt tips out for the season. We'll see what happens in terms of is Gomez going to get a lot more centre back minutes now? You'd think so, and it might make things a little bit harder for him, but. He's definitely got some important games to start between now and the end. And I, I think I touched on this after Fulham as well. I don't think there's been anything really so far that would concern you in terms of whether he's ready to start those meaningful 
matches for Liverpool. Um, so again, I mean, just to have that player unexpectedly emerge, I don't even know whether Klopp expected him to be this, you know, this far in his development. You know, it's been a huge um, boost to Liverpool, especially with the issues they've had in that centre-back position like I've touched on. Another of the big positives from this game was that we saw multiple players return from injury as well. Um, Dominic Sobersly, Trent, um, like I've mentioned, um, and Andy Robertson too. And I actually thought Sobersly was brilliant when he came on. Before he got injured, he wasn't maybe in the best in the best form, but hopefully this kind of cameo here is a prelude to him getting back to his early season levels in the weeks to come. He obviously gets the assist for Van Dijk. Um, I don't know if I mentioned that goal earlier, actually, but um, the thing I wanted to say about it was uh, that even though Van Dijk actually, the ball lands on his head so far away from goal, he has the time um, to, to direct it, really. And I just thought it was so impressive that he was able to sort of score from where he was because I, I don't know what the XG of that, of that goal would have been, but I can't imagine it was actually that high, even though it was a free header, just because of how far out he was. But he just sort of generates the perfect amount of power on it to plant it in the net um, and Tobersley obviously doing well to to pick him out there as well um, but it wasn't only the fact that he, he set up a goal I think th- there was a point where he was involved in this really lovely slick one such move with Bradley and Gakpo and it ends in a bit of a mad scramble actually where I think Jota has a shot um, saved then Graven Birch off the line moments after I think they went to the goal line technology for a second and then um, Jota put it over as well. So it, it that almost led to a goal. And I, yeah, it was just when, when he came on. I mean, he also cut in on his, his left foot at one stage and had a really fiercely struck shot, which was well saved by the goalkeeper and just put in multiple dangerous balls into the box. So he looks properly fired up. Um, I think with him, he should probably walk back into the team I think Elliot's had a decent little spell, but I don't think he's maybe made the case to to be starting in that right hand side of eight role. Um, but the the key thing is just kind of getting back to that early form. The contrast is with 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 Robertson in that regard because again, I I do think that I don't know whether this will be the case for for Chelsea. Maybe they wait a little bit longer still, but I do think that the role is, is still very much his in that left-back position, but Gomez has made it a really strong case there. And, and we don't fully know when Simakas is going to be back, but until that point, then he's very much going to be holding Robertson in check um, in terms of his own performance levels, you'd have to say, because he's been... I think if we look, if we look back on this season, a season where Liverpool did achieve something really significant, then this sequence with no specialist senior left back where Gomez has come in and produced um such a good run of form then we're going to look back at that as as absolutely vital really because it could easily have gone very wrong there not only in terms of you know that's not his position but also just the balance of of the team being affected and the team stacked and things like that but he's just he's stepped up and he's carried out the essentials of that role to a T really um even if he's not maybe racking up loads and loads of assists, he's got the odd one as well. Um, and he's just been really solid defensively and also helped the team going forward. He was in that inverted role again today rather than the right back. So, I mean, his flexibility has just been a massive asset to Liverpool. 
And I think there's probably some people there who think Robertson has to win his place back. I don't necessarily see it that way. I do think that as soon as he's ready to start, he will. But the, the main thing is that if he drops off, then I do think that Gomez, for the time being, is going to be the one breathing down his neck. And um, we'll see sort of where the rest, the lion's share of his minutes come between now and the end of the season. And then, yeah, the, obviously the other one is Trent coming back. And I've touched on that previously in terms of Bradley is showing that he's going to be a strong backup. So Liverpool have actually seen a lot about the strength of their squad with those players injured. But just to see them all come back onto the pitch at once, hopefully was our version of that um, Kevin De Bruyne uh, moment against Newcastle. Granted, um, these players haven't been out for, for as long. Robertson's been out a long time, obviously. But um, to think that Liverpool are... Uh, have kept themselves in such a strong position with a pretty lengthy injury list and now have all these players coming back for for a vital couple of games. You know, it, it's hard not to be really excited by that. But um in slightly related news, um another player who's, who's been injured is Mohamed Salah. We're still expecting him to be out until uh, the middle of next month. Probably I think Liverpool play Brentford on the seventeenth of February and that's like a realistic return date for Salah. Although you'd hope that, given his um, track record physically, that he can make a bit of a swift return. But Egypt are now out with the African Cup of Nations, so we don't need to think about um, him flying over uh, to the Ivory Coast to play in the last stage of that tournament. And, um, you know, you could understand if you're Egypt why you'd be pushing to maybe take a risk on Salah's fitness if he had got to that late stage. But um, that won't be a factor now because Egypt got knocked out by. Um, the Democratic Republic of Congo in the uh, in the last 16 stage I believe so now the, just a question for Liverpool is um, when is Salah going to return I don't think anybody really thought about AFCON in terms of um, is Salah, <laughs> Salah going to pick up an injury I think everyone was thinking well how far is he going to go um, how far is he going to be able to take Egypt but yeah now the question is very much just on his return because a very disappointing um, tournament for Egypt so we'll see how he goes in his recovery but yeah We'll leave it there um, for today's podcast. Thanks very much, everyone, for listening. If you have enjoyed it, please do give us a five-star rating. Remember to follow the podcast as well and press the notification button on whatever platform you're listening on. And I don't think I mentioned this enough when I do the admin section of the podcast, but we do have an email address in the episode description as well. So if you've got any questions you want us to um, answer on or off air, um, or any just thoughts on the podcast or Liverpool season or anything like that, please do get in touch um, through that email address um, with those, and we definitely will read all of them that come through. In the immediate, we'll be back for our next episode after Liverpool play Chelsea. Massive Premier League game that will obviously coming up on Wednesday night, so make sure you stick around for that, and that will obviously be followed by another huge one against Arsenal. So a vital week coming up in Liverpool season, and we'll obviously have it covered comprehensively here at red zone restricted but yeah until that next podcast take care